do 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 the hallmark of a conspiracy theorist if they have jet fuel can't melt steel beams on a bumper sticker yes although that said i think i've heard that a thousand times more often from people who use it as a meme hmm? rather than for people who actually believe that yeah i suppose but i mean it wouldn't have become a meme if people didn't actually think that at one point i'm sure it's been yes. debunked a thousand times but absolutely very true man this got weird fast sure did <laughs> That's the best part of podcasts is it getting weird fast unless, you know, Jordan's on and then he has a very regimented list of things to talk about and everything is just very strict and by the book. Oh, you have no idea. You have no idea. He, <laughs> he kept pushing me and being like, hey, can we get back to the topic? Do you want to talk about these topics? Hey, we have one more topic to do. Let's do it. Wow. Serious business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, we're not let up. Huh. No, definitely not. That, all right. Well, Jordan, you're an admirable host, but nobody understands Summercon like I do, and nobody lets Summercon go off on tangents like I do, so if you're looking for a permanent job, start your own podcast, dang it. <laughs> I mean, we talked about that. He might. I know. Yeah. That's why I said it. Careful. He would, no, it's fine by me. The more the merrier. I just like how shocked he was that anybody would want to listen to him in a podcast. You're like, I'd listen, and he's like, what? Actually, just one thing. Um, mm. My... Mm co-worker at work decided to play his music through a speaker and it was basically of the 19 songs you gave me guess how many of them showed up oh wow uh the number is 16 about that yes yes i'm good at this the game oop, there it is even came up <laughs> <laughs> yay what playlist are you listening to Oh, God. I'm, it was the Falcon Paladin's list of 90s songs that meant something to him. <laughs> it could be. It could be. You don't know? I mean, no, I don't know. I didn't ask. Oh. Heaven forbid you talk to a coworker. I, I, I talked to him plenty. I just didn't talk to him about the music. Right. Yeah. Just about work. Safe things. Uh, he was too busy telling me about how McDonald's uh, messed up his order yesterday for breakfast. Oh. There, there was things to talk about. Not all of them interesting. Hmm. That's not very. That's not a great story. Do no. you want to hear about how his kids beat some other kids uh, at football on the, the weekend, and then they call the the enemy team of kids called them soft, even though they lost. That, uh, I've never really understood that whole method of trash talking. Yeah, no, neither do I. Because like you just lost. If you call the team that beat you soft, then what are you exactly? Dunner. Yeah. Well, and in, in America, there's a thing that is chanted called overrated right mm, explain so if you're let's see if you beat a team that had a pretty good high ranking like a good win-loss record and then a lot of the times the crowd uh of the team that is winning that's beating this better team will say overrated clap 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 overrated i never got it because it means this team's not as good as everybody thought they were and you beat them it's like no 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 you want to beat the team and have them be amazing, because then you're amazing. But if they're overrated, then you beating them is less impressive. I always felt like it was a self-defeating chant. Um, hmm. Let me think about that for a quick Parse. second. Yeah. I, I think the thought is that if you beat a team that is overrated, they are undeserving of the position to be facing you. And, and so that you're humbling them by knocking them down into where they should be. It's, you guys mm. don't deserve to be here gtfo yeah i think it means both things honestly mm. i i don't i i don't think people are consciously chanting for something that you know demeans their own team probably not yeah they're just not thinking about it so speaking of overrated <laughs> do you think Cyril's overrated no i don't either no the dude's, the well, dude's crazy he's crazy good yeah all right so number one spoiler alert gsl versus the world but i mean this happened like what five days ago about that right I mean, five days ago from the time we recorded this. So by the time it gets out, it's going to be several days ago. But yeah, basically, if you've been living under a rock or don't care about StarCraft at all, Serral beat Stats in the final of GSL versus the world mm -hmm. in Korea, in Seoul. Yeah. Huh? Is it Seoul? Um, according to this thing that I read, it was. Is it Seoul or Busan? Um, so th this Reddit post that I read and linked to you says the final was in Seoul. Yeah. So we're going to say it was Seoul. All right, so bottom line, Cyril's been kicking butts and taking names and just absolutely winning WCS events left and right, looking fairly unstoppable mm -hmm. in all of these WCS events that are region locked, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And everybody said, well, there's this event coming up, GSL versus the world, where he's going to have a chance to beat these Koreans, to beat the people that he can't compete against in the WCS events because of said region lock. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
long story short, he walks in and comes away with the win in the finals. He beats Stats 4-2? to two? Uh, I think it's 4-1, but you might be right. Actually, it looks like 4-3. Is it? There were seven games. That is what they're saying. I, I actually haven't seen these. I was really tired that night. And so I stayed gotcha. I stayed up while they did the uh, the team game, the Ser- Team Serral versus Team Maru. And I stayed up until mm-hmm. I saw Maru fight Serral. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, that was the finals we should have had. I can go to bed now. Gotcha. Yep. So I sent you a write-up. It basically goes through each of the games. This is a pretty good... We should put the link in the show notes, but it's by uh, oh, a guy whose name is Startail. Okay. I don't think it's actually Startail. Posted by Startail, user D1MNZZ. Right, right. Oh, that's right. Startail is just his tag. Derp. Man, the new Reddit format really throws me. Let me go to old Reddit real quick. Yeah, old Reddit's so much better. So much better. I need to opt out. I'm opted out in my actual account, but my Falcon Paladin account isn't opted out yet, and I need to go figure that oh, out. Oh, no. It's not opted out yet? Come on. No, it should be. Anyway, bottom line here from what I read... And just some of the highlights that I've been able to find. Uh, it just seemed like Stats was very interested in making an Archon drop opening into Zealot into Charge Lots work, kind of over and over. Okay. With a little bit of changes here and there, he does some Oracle harass. He goes Phoenix in one of the games. Uh, he proxies a Stargate one of the games too. But he basically kind of tries the same thing. And I mean, it did go seven games, so it's not like he tried the same thing four times and Serral wrecked it four times in a row. Right, right, right. But it sure seemed like he was trying the same thing over and over. And a lot of games were close, and so I can't necessarily fault him for it. But at the same time, I just feel like, especially in a best of seven, if you've done the same strategy a bunch of times in a row and Serral's not drone scouting you because Zergs do not drone scout, (laughs) then I feel feel like doing something different just to throw him off might have been worth a shot but uh, again i'm not as good as stats is and honestly neither are you so i don't know that we can comment too much on what he should have done differently to win the series but i just found that interesting that we did a lot of different things came out of serral he went roach he went hydra he went ling uh he got lurkers he got mutalisks he went broodlords once or twice just seemed like he was a lot more varied in his play, whereas Stats was a little bit married to what he was trying to do. Hmm, okay. So bottom line, Serral wins a knockdown, drag him out, seven-game series uh, versus Stats, who is a ridiculously good Protoss player, and basically cements his status in 2018 as, if not the best, definitely, definitely one of the best StarCraft II players in the world today. Uh, Illegalac currently lists Serral as being the number one player worldwide. There you go. So, Illigalac ratings, there it is. Yep. All right, so we've talked about this before. I just want to go over it really, really quick. I feel like if you are the best player in the world in a time when the race that you play is considered the best race, mm. kind of knocks down a little bit of my esteem for that player. And you think Zerg and is the best race? I do. I think Zerg right now is the best race. If just by the evidence of the fact that they don't feel like they have to drone scout, like Terran will scout sometimes, uh, Protoss scouts all the time. Zerg says, I'm going to go hatch first. I'm going to send my slower lords out across the map and I can handle anything that you throw at me. Bring it. Mm. That just screams confidence to me in all matchups as Zerg. And so I love Serral. I think he's worked really, really hard. I remember when I first used to cast him back two, three years ago, he was an okay Zerg player. I liked his aggression. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't winning WCS events. He wasn't beating Koreans. And then he managed without living in Korea. Did he ever live in Korea? Uh, maybe. Oh, crap. So Korean team house. <laughs> Quick, Google. To the Googles, the best part of the pod. <laughs> they should be happy Serral is too lazy to live in Korea. <laughs> well, that sounds that came from solely definitive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I never heard of him living in Korea. No, I don't think he ever went. Okay, so a lot of these foreigners that have really skyrocketed in ability, special Scarlet, have gone to live in Korea for a while. Mm-hmm. Sarah was like, "Ah, eh, I don't need to do that. I'm just gonna start wrecking fools without the tried and true method of acquiring superpowers." Mm. Yep. So I am, I'm very impressed by that. He's obviously worked on his mechanics. He's worked on his reaction time. A lot of the write-up here in that series explains how like completely unscouted double oracle proxy would show up and he would literally perfectly defend it without losing any workers. And that requires a ton of work, a lot of practice, a lot of working on your reaction time, watching the minimap, knowing what to do in all sorts of weird situations. So he's obviously worked very hard, but at the same time, he's playing a race 
that is the best of the three. And I don't think it's overpoweringly the best of the three. I don't think, you know, it's a 50% advantage in any particular matchup that he plays, but it's definitely an advantage. And I just look at it and say, if this was, if this was two years ago and some of the balances, balance aspects of StarCraft were different, I'm not sure that we'd be seeing this right now. And I could be wrong. I'm just making some assumptions. Right. Okay. How many of the top tens by a legal act do you think are Zerg? Ooh. I'm going to say five. Yeah. Wow. I'm good at guessing today. <laughs> so it's five. So five of the ten. So that means that Zerg has 50% of the representation out of three races where it should be closer to 33. Yes. Guess what the split between Terran and Protoss, though? Uh, Terran is two and Protoss is three? Nope. Terran is four. Protoss is <gasps> one. Is stats the only one in the top 10? It's classic. <laughs> classic is right now? Wow. Hang on. Do I have any classic games? <laughs> <laughs> stats is uh, ranked 13. Huh. Well, it performed well in GSL versus the world. Right. Stats still put on great games. Still below Beyond, <laughs> who has not been doing particularly well recently. No. Well, <laughs> It's always the thing with Beyond. People say, oh, Beyond. For Beyond. Yeah, Beyond's washed up or, you know, all this stuff. But it's like, he's still doing really good. Like, he's still a really good player. He's just not performing at a world champion level. He's just not Beyond from two or three years ago. Right? Yeah. 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 Which is which is fair. He's being held to a higher standard. Yep. Uh, I was just looking in the um, Reddit thread you linked me, and it's a, a quick note on, like, all the other matches, and it's like... Innovation versus Rogue. If you enjoy watching a Terran demolish Zerg in a very simple and straightforward fashion, and then Serral versus Innovation. If you enjoy the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Man, Rogue, BlizzCon champion, gets dismantled by Innovation, who hasn't been killing it mm. this year. Yeah, he's been streaming League of Legends. I saw that tweet of yours, and I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> huh. The world of StarCraft is a confusing and vast place, it turns out. Yeah. You know. So anyway, Serral's kicking butt. I I don't know. I don't know what I need to see to where I feel like it's super mega ultra legit that Serral is just the best player in the world. Uh, a BlizzCon championship and then a GSL and then the rest of the WCS events for next year. And then another BlizzCon championship. That seems like overkill. I honestly, when you said a BlizzCon championship <laughs> and a GSL, I was like, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Well, one of the arguments made in this post is that it's really hard to start out strong in WCS events and then win BlizzCon because you have such a target on your back Okay. that everybody sees you as the one to take down and you get everyone's best game all through the remaining WCS events. It seems like in the last few years, the person that wins BlizzCon hasn't necessarily been killing it since the beginning of the year. I, and so I'm going to go back to Beyond, but I'm going to say Beyond killed that year. Okay. Not all the time. <laughs> But like Rogue, Rogue kind of came out of nowhere, right? Yeah, I did not pick Rogue to win that. No, I didn't either. We we made some picks there and we're completely wrong about Rogue. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's the same thing in other sports. You have the Patriots in the NFL. You have the Warriors in the NBA. This is my sports ball minute, but Go. it applies. It applies to the same thing. Players will talk about this. If they're the best team in the league, you get everybody else's best game because it's their Super Bowl. If there's a team that's terrible and they're not going to get into the playoffs, this is their chance to win a game against an amazing team and gain some measure of self-respect again. And they will give you everything they have for that night. Mm. And when it just it just adds up. Night after night after night, you're playing against the best that every team can give you, whereas other teams, maybe you'll get an 85-75% effort out of your opponent. But that's what Serral's going to see until BlizzCon, is everybody who plays him is going to say, this is Serral. i got to be on my A game. i got to be ready to go. i got to study him and be ready for him, and there's going to be people who are ready for him. Mm. So we'll see. I would say that coming out of the WCS circuit region, that is probably what happens, is the player that wins the most throughout the year has the most replays of them performing at the best. Like, if Uthermal yes. doesn't make it to, like, their end finals, nobody's got Uthermal replays of him trying his hardest, right? No. So you can't prepare for him, and if he's not there, you don't need to. Sorry, Uthermal. Serral has been there consistently. In WCS events, they give out replays. Koreans don't give out their replays after GSL. You can't study yep. for them yep. as well. You have to watch nope. the VODs, which is okay, but you're still missing information. It's Yeah, it's not the same as loading up a replay and watching it five times from different angles. Correct. 
So maybe that's part of the reason. Nah, whatever. We're not going to get into that. Good luck, Cyril. I think he can do it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if he managed to pull it off. But if he ended up kind of falling apart a little bit, I don't think I'd be shocked either. Time will tell. Time will tell. I got my holidays booked for BlizzCon. It's going to be great. Heck yeah. Staying up Good times. all night to watch it. <laughs> Taking work off. Exactly. The sacrifices you must make as an Australian esports fan. Indeed. So, speaking of running out of time... Did we say something about running out of time? No. No. I don't think we did. Mission Impossible Fallout was released a couple weeks ago. Yep. And it it was not on my radar. I don't think it was on Somicron's radar. No, I probably wasn't going to go see it. Nope. But then I started hearing buzz. This is how this works, you guys. This is what gets Falcon Paladin to the movies these days, is if it's a sequel to something I loved, it's on my radar, and if there's buzz about it. If I start seeing message board posts about it, I see Reddit posts about it, I see stuff on Facebook about it from people that don't, you know, people that have similar interests to me. You're saying this, and all I can picture is you being outside, and they're an angry swarm of bees, so to get away from them, you just go to the theater. <laughs> the buzz. <laughs> Doesn't work in winter. Don't see many films in the January months. Because uh, okay. there aren't many bees. <laughs> so anyway, I was not planning on seeing the Mission Impossible. I saw Rogue Nation because my boss had taken us a couple years ago when it was out. Just took the team to the movies, which is kind of nice. And I was like, ah, it's fine. I don't remember a whole lot about that film. I remember a part where Tom Cruise crashes his motorcycle. Like rolling like the bike is rolling on top of him he flips a billion times after going 150 miles an hour and gets up and he's like limping and i said nope tom cruise you are dead <laughs> i don't care i don't care what you're wearing i don't think he's even had a helmet on i was like no you are a dead person and it's so distracting for the rest of the film i'm like he should be dead <laughs> as someone who rides a bike i'm sure you can testify to the truth of that one yeah he should probably be dead at the same time, there are like a thousand other ways he should be dead in each of these films. True. Yeah. But that one was just so... I mean, my, the, the only thought I really had walking out after seeing Mission Impossible Fallout was if Ethan Hunt just bought a lottery ticket, he could retire. Because he is so unbelievably lucky. You think it would be... You think it translates? You think his luck... No. Uh, translates into the lottery? Well, obviously no, because this wouldn't be... it. That would make an interesting movie. <laughs> and this is fiction. He just walks into the 7-Eleven, <laughs> buys a ticket, walks out. No, but he... One week later. But he, hey, I win. But he, the end. <laughs> it's him in, like, the Caribbean on a 40-foot yacht. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that dude is just so unbelievably lucky. And it's obviously just, yeah. like, plot armor and stuff. It just... It really takes me out of the movie when there's, like... Something that obviously could go wrong and very easily and is super dependent on just luck and then it works. Yeah. I mean, they even, like, they winked at it at the end of the film, right? Benji's like, how close were we? And Tom Cruise is like, the usual. It's like, ah, yes. Every time, it's just by the skin of their teeth, as close as it could possibly be, every single time. It never goes poorly and they're aware of it. They're genre savvy at this point. Yep. So, uh, as is written into every contract of every Tom Cruise movie, it needs to feature him running a lot mm -hmm. and him on a motorcycle. And yep, we definitely had those things in the Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh yeah, yep. Even a motorcycle so, crash, <laughs> where he wasn't, yep. where he wasn't wearing a helmet. <laughs> he wasn't. This one wasn't as bad. You tell me. I looked at that one and said, okay, he wasn't going 150 miles an hour. He looked like he was going fast enough. He would have been rolling for a bit further, I think. Well, he also did see it coming and braked before he hit the car. Yeah. I just feel like if you're in city limits, you can't be going fast enough to really kill yourself <laughs> by going over the hood of a car. Uh, my friend. Well, okay, not can't, but odds of it are low, right? It's harder. No. It, the speed he it's was... It's not harder to go... No, no, no. Bikes can get up... Okay, okay. My bike is like a heavy cruiser. It weighs like... 400 pounds it'll do zero to 60 that's miles per hour in about eight yes. seconds yeah no i'm not saying you can't accelerate that fast if i hit someone's car i would be dead yes but what i'm saying is you can do that but you're gonna hit a building 
or you're going to run into something that's in the way. Like if you're driving in a city with small streets and tight areas like that, you can't be going 60, 65 miles an hour. Uh, I would say those bikes accelerate like five times faster than my bike would. So yes, they could. I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying it literally can't. I'm saying if you do, you will not go very far because you will crash through a plate window. No, I'm saying he, that those the speeds he's doing. Oh. So when he's running from the cops, he's hitting 60, 65 miles an hour on the streets of Google City name. I don't know where he is. You're up. Paris, I think. Oh, yeah, Paris. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I think he was probably doing somewhere in the neighborhood of that maybe 50, mm-hmm. right? That's still very mm-hmm. quick. Those bikes have significantly better brakes. Dual disc front brakes can stop a bike very quickly. Yes. And as you can see, he was clearly taking turns at high speed as well. Yes, he was. So all I'm arguing is his chances of dying in this motorcycle crash are a lot lower than his chances of dying in the motorcycle crash in Rogue Nation. I mean, I think... Where he's literally screaming along at 150 miles an hour and hits something and rolls. Yeah. I mean, he should, I think, be dead in Rogue Nation. He should be like knocked out and concussed and like broken leg in this one okay i'll accept that the fact that he just kind of rolls gets up pulls a knife out and then like falls down onto a boat and that doesn't like knock him out it's like he has like the internal adrenaline system and cardiovascular system of a superhuman he should not be able to go through this without having like constant ptsd and adrenaline withdrawal symptoms yep at least he's limping yeah, he's limping until he gets off he the boat. He get up and just, like, sprint away. And yeah, so then he falls down, like, a, a tube, and you don't see how deep that is, right? It doesn't take a lot of anything to fall. No, but then he hits the boat. He hits it's the- an inflatable <laughs> boat. It's cushy. <laughs> it's cushy. What if, he hit the- <laughs> what if he hit one of the people? <laughs> Obviously, he didn't. They were waiting for him. <laughs> what if it cleared out of space. What if he pushed it so far down it started taking on water? And then, and that's, I mean, that's barely water, but they could have, like, either way, he should still be hurt. <laughs> uh, fine. I'm with you. I'm just comparing all of the insanity to Rogue Nation, and nothing crosses the Rogue Nation bar oh, for me. Oh, it doesn't. His injuries from the bike crash in this movie, are, like, are immediately gone. The moment he hits the boat, he's, like, kind of dazed or whatever, like, as he stands up, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, there's Solomon. But then they get him to, like, their little safe house area, and he's like, oh, he's okay, I'm fine now. He's not really limping anymore, is he? No. I do want to say, I didn't have, well, I had some nitpicks, but one of my biggest ones that just kind of bugged me at the time was when he's running from the French police in Paris. Mm. It's like he'd lose them, and then immediately there'd be four cop cars mm-hmm. right there. Yep. And it's like, look, dude, I, Paris is big. Like, I don't know how many police officers they have in the city of Paris and how many they brought out to try to catch whatever was going on here. But I just felt like he should have been able to get away on the motorcycle. If you can evade one group of cops, you have a pretty good chance of getting somewhere to where you can escape. Like, get out of the city or find a safe place to hide. But every time he lost a group, there was another group right there. And it happened four or five times, and I was getting annoyed. Okay. So Paris is roughly this about 762 square kilometers. Yeah, it's huge. Right? Has about 34,000 police members. Hmm, that is a lot of police. Yeah. But a lot of them are not on shift right now. <laughs> They're all on vacation. Well, no, just not everybody's working every day. That's all I'm saying. I know, I know. People work the night shift, sleep during the day. You are right. They did just kind of like come, keep coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if if they... Okay, let's calm down. If he had just been able, not been able to evade them at all, I would have felt okay about that. Like, he keeps trying and he can't. Hmm. And then he does the thing where he hits the car and cuts the net and falls down. All right. But the fact that he kept losing them and then getting found within the next four seconds, just over and over, I was like, all right, man, look. <laughs> Either lose them or don't. Stop teasing me. Because every time I'm like, oh, he made it. And it's like, nope, just kidding. Here are eight more cops. No. Where do they come from? I, I like the part where he uh, reaches the square where there's a whole bunch of str- uh, roads all coming down to the, the singular point. And he's like turning the bike around and there's two cops coming down this one, and two cops coming down yes. this one, and two cops. He's like, oh, that one, no cops. Let's go. <laughs> yes. Oh, 
The number of times he went through an intersection at full speed and was just like, I hope I don't die, was about three or four, and he nailed it every time. I was like, oh, okay, look, movie, you get one of these. You get one of these. Tom Cruise blindly goes through the intersection at 55 miles an hour and doesn't get trucked by something. The second time, I'm annoyed, and the third time, it's getting ridiculous. Uh Uh-huh. I told you, the man has incredible luck. Incredible luck. It he makes the world's best super spy just for luck stat. Mm. Actually, the part where they're in the um the little car, where they're all crammed in there, yeah. The part where he does like a handbrake turn and the car spins around and they land like on the road pointing in the right direction. Yeah, there's a slight cut there, but before it does, the direction <laughs> that they're heading, the light's actually green, and then when they take off, it just quickly changes. But a car was going so fast, they probably would have been running the red. Yep. That sounds about right. Yeah. And then he ran the red and was still fine anyway. Yes. Because luck stat. It's his dump stat. Uh-huh. Yep. Luck and charisma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, overall, I found it a pretty entertaining movie. I wasn't bored. I wasn't too annoyed by all the many luck mm. things that happened there. Um, the hand-to-hand fighting was pretty fantastic consistently. Uh, I, re- I liked the addition of Henry Cavill. Is that how you say his name? Cavill. Superman. Uh, yeah, he was okay. I mean, I don't think he was anything special. No, he wasn't special. But I just felt like he was such an imposing presence. It's kind of hard to ignore him. Really? And uh, it was, yeah, it was really, um, how tall is he? It was really striking when he was in the same scenes with Tom Cruise. Because Henry is six foot one. He's about my height, then. Right. And he looked like he was six five, man. He looked so tall next to Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise is a midget. There's rumors that uh, this Henry Cavill guy is going to be playing Gerald of Rivia. I did see that from the The Witchers. Yeah. I think I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm probably good with it too. So, like, for example, in Rogue Nation, his fellow dude co-star is Jeremy Renner, who's 5'9". Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as obvious. Tom Cruise looked more normal. But seriously, put him next to a six foot one guy on a lot of screen time, and Tom Cruise looks like a munchkin. I'm really surprised he signed off on that. He's not even that much shorter. Who what? Tom Cruise is not that much shorter. <laughs> he is too. He's like five five. I know he's listed at five seven. He's not five seven. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's showing me he's one point seven meters, and it's showing me Henry Cavill is only one point eight. Yeah, that's that's wrong. It's not that much of a difference. It's I mean, it's noticeable, sure, but he's not mm-hmm. he's not Peter Dinklage. No, he's not Peter Dinklage. Like he is. I'm trying to look. I've read some articles where they're like, all right, we've seen him at like red carpet events, standing next to people who we know how tall they are, and basically what they arrived at here. A lot of people are short. Like this isn't just a Tom Cruise thing. A lot of leading men are short. That's what I hear. But yeah, he's, I think he's like 5'5 five, five or 5'6. Five, okay. That's all. And I know you're having to translate this into meters, but. Okay, hold on. 5'5 five, five you said, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. He's only like 1.6 then. That's 1.67. It's really not that big of a difference. Mm, it's a difference. In the movie, Henry Carville's character looks much bigger. Yes. But I don't think he made What's-His-Face look short. I think, um, Simon, is it Simon Pegg? I think he looks shorter. Yeah, because Simon Pegg is short. Yeah. Yeah, and he's fine with it. He's secure in his shortness. He doesn't do tricks and lie about his height. I don't think Henry Carville was either. No, I'm saying Tom Cruise does. <laughs> I don't think he is. Holy crap. Fine. Man. Agree to disagree. Wikipedia actually says Simon Pegg's taller than Tom Cruise. Aha. Hmm, <laughs> that throws a wrench into the argument. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we spent way too much time on this. I'm just saying, Henry looked super tall and imposing and terrifying in those hand-to-hand combat fights when he's fighting the dude in the bathroom. With the reloading arms, yep. This is brutal. Yep, reloading arms. And then, anyway, the dude turns out to be amazing and he pulls, like, a pipe off a wall and fights with it and there's a serrated edge somehow. Good times. Did you catch the um, Mission Impossible 1 Easter egg? (gasps) No. So when they, uh, just after the bar fight and he's impersonating, is it Lurk? Lunk. Uh, sure. Lunk. Lunk, something like that. Lunk? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the woman who he's going to go and meet, uh, the, what do they call her? The blonde. Yeah, the blonde, but what do they call her? The broker. The the white widow. Oh, yes, that too. She's talking about her mother, Max, and how her mother, Max, was fond of par- uh, contradictions. Her mother, Max, is the arms dealer in Mission Impossible 1. Oh, 
Oh, that's fun. Yeah, who mentions to Ethan Hunt about how, uh, like, she just thro- has some throwaway lines about paradoxes. And I'm like, mm, isn't that interesting? Yeah, I, I have not seen Mission Impossible 1 in many, many, many years. So I missed that entirely. But I uh, rewatched it today. Oh, you did? I rewatched most of it. It took 40 minutes to download, and then I had 40 minutes left by the time we started this call. So. Ah, so the first part of it. Yeah, I watched the first hour and 20 minutes. That's cool. This shows how long Ethan Hunt slash Tom Cruise has been doing this thing. He's dealing with second generation <laughs> uh, villains. I was going to say villains, but I guess it's not really villains. just kind of well, morally antagonists. gray individuals. <laughs> morally yeah. gray. Yeah. Take notes, Blizzard. Yeah. Moral gray. <laughs> yeah. Freaking Sylvanas. <laughs> So I really enjoyed the final act, especially of the movie. Just Tom Cruise. He flew that helicopter, Wade. Did he? Yes. He does several crazy things every one of these films, but they very specifically wanted to draw attention to the fact that he's flying the helicopter in the helicopter chase scene because he's a crazy person who wants to die on the set of a film. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. I don't know why that's interesting. Lots of people fly helicopters. <sighs> You're impossible. What? No, I just don't think that's impressive. <laughs> Stunt flying. This wasn't like, and then he took it on a leisurely cruise above a lake and then landed it. No, he's doing stupid things in it. Yeah. Okay, that's all. Stunt flying. Was Henry Cavill actually firing machine gun rounds back at him? No. Oh, then I'm not, not. I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> You're so hard to impress. Uh, all right and then finally the other thing i really wanted to talk about i just love how these tom cruise movies exist so that we can have two two this time around two females intensely in love with tom cruise <laughs> right was it two hmm. i think yes. i think uh, the white widow was like hmm, i could go there three then three we had one that was sexually attracted to tom cruise one that and two that basically that love him as a human being and as a man uh-huh that's all. It's just they work really, really overcompensatingly hard to make us think that Tom Cruise is... um An interesting uh, person. Yes, an interesting person. Not a Scientologist. <laughs> uh, correct. Definitely want us to forget that he's a Scientologist. That's all. It just... In the last movie, there was the one love interest, and they brought back the wife for this one, and it's like, oh, the love interest from Rogue Nation and his wife are still here. I forgot and he had a wife. it's not just that they're... It's... Yeah. That's the thing. She hasn't been around for a while. <laughs> But just that they both get the scene at the hospital bed where they're like looking over him <laughs> lovingly, just being like, oh, thank you so much for saving the world. You're so hot right now. It's like, come on. I could do one, but two's overkill. <laughs> I mean, the other one had her husband there. Yeah, but. And the other one shot at him. Well, no. She was trying to kill the terrorist. She wasn't trying to kill him. Yeah, but she could have missed. True. If someone's like. If someone shot at you and they said, no, I'm trying to shoot the person next to you, does that make you feel better? A little bit. If they're a professional assassin who are really good at shooting. <laughs> God, you're so hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was good. Like, I don't know that I've come out of a Mission Impossible movie before feeling like I want to watch it again. And I think I wouldn't mind seeing that one again. Hmm. Okay. There you go. Mission Impossible. Fallout. Is there anything you wanted to cover in the Mission Impossible Fallout? No. Cool. Is it a movie that you would care to see again, ever? I'll, I'll see it right before the next one comes out to remind myself. Makes perfect sense. I'm on board. So speaking of Fallout. Yeah. So so there's Fallout 76. Uh-huh. Yeah. The upcoming which, title. Yeah. Yep. Bethesda's like, we're doing a new game. And everybody's like, ooh. And they said, it's inspired by Rust. And everybody uh, said, wait, wait what? what? <laughs> What's this then? Yeah. It's open world PVP. No campaign. No PVE stuff, no NPCs. No just NPCs. Be dropped in- no, be dropped into a sandbox with other human beings and get wrecked, noob. That's what it is. <laughs> All right, so here's why I'm bringing this up. Okay. Not only, not only is it you get dropped in the sandbox with other people and they can play it for 16 hours a day and you can't because you have a job and then they wreck you over time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is bad enough. This is if you pre-order the game, you're automatically in the beta and any progress you make in the beta goes with you into the live launch. So people that pre-order are going to have nukes and then you didn't pre-order because you're a smart human being 
and you go in and you get dropped in with a spear and a loincloth and then you're there for 10 seconds and three people decide to drop a nuke on your head. That's what the experience is going to be. Here's the thing. I'm hoping that you're wrong, but I, oh. I have a feeling that you're right. No, absolutely right. The thing is, I don't see any player... Well, okay, I shouldn't say any player. I don't see the majority <laughs> of players going, let's use a nuke to kill someone with a spear, right? Okay, look, I was using a literary device. Basic, literary device that could also be a literal device in-game. Okay, or they walk up to you with a gun and shoot you in the head. Like, it doesn't matter! They will have the ability to kill you with impunity the second you drop into this world, because they will have been playing during the beta and building up their armory mm-hmm. and their abilities, and you will get wrecked. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So just don't be distracted by the fact that I said nuke. You're right, it's stupid to use a nuke on one person. Well done. Well spotted there, Wade. Well, the problem is, you say nuke... You- before he announced you can get nukes in the game. I thought you were being literal. Yep. I was being literal. Someone could do that. But why would you? Fine. They could. You, you go ahead. Use your nuke on me now while I have no stuff. I, yeah. I'd rather get that out of the way. That sounds like okay, a bonus. <laughs> but then you come back and you respawn with a new character. And this time, yep, he doesn't have a nuke anymore, but he has a submachine gun and you die. Well, it's Fallout. I'll find my own submachine gun. It makes it a challenge. No. I could use the handicap personally. <laughs> You're so good at open world rust type games that you need a handicap. <laughs> no, no. That's oh, not even okay, good. true. I didn't think so. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I just thought that was incredible. So one, they have their own launcher, Bethesda.net. Yeah, Bethesda launches, yeah. It's no longer gonna be in Steam, which I can kind of understand because Steam takes a thirty percent cut of all the sales you make when you put your game in Steam. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, we're big enough to have our own launcher. Why not? Right, which is just, I I don't know. I read a good article about it where somebody said, I like the idea of people kind of competing with Steam. Mm, yeah. But at the same time, it sucks having the Uplay launcher and the Bethesda launcher and the Steam and the Battle.net launcher and the, what's the other one I'm forgetting? Origin? Origin, yeah. Origin's a thing. Yep. Here's the thing. That's another one. That's a tiny program that you don't have to run, right? Maybe I don't want to have to have Steam open, for all of my games, if I just want to have a game, like if I just want to play, uh, what's an origin game? Battlefield. Let's pretend I, li- I like to play Battlefield. If I just mm. want to play Battlefield, I don't want to necessarily have Steam constantly checking my down, like my network connection and downloading updates in the background. I'm glad that I don't have to have it on. The problem is Steam has, you know, games coming from all over coming in. Places like Origin, Battle.net, you play only have games from those developers and publishers or publishers. Yes. Which means they don't have to compete, even though they're theoretically competing with the other launchers. Because their games aren't on that service, they have no incentive to lower prices at all. It's a good point. This doesn't fix anything. Exactly. I'm more cynical than before. (laughs) Sorry. Well done. (laughs) So anyway, I just wanted to bring this news to the attention of our podcast listeners so that you can know just not to get Fallout 76. Okay. I'm going to have a counterpoint. Ooh. If you would told me this last week, I would have been like, oh my god, I'm never touching that game. But I've spent the last week playing Sea of Thieves with Jordan, a game yes, that is entirely, you know, shared world kind of stuff with other Excellent. people. Rust on pirate ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. But, like, Except they give you a ship. <laughs> yes. That's the thing. They, <laughs> they give you a ship and there's no progression. Like, that's the only thing that's not making these even remotely similar arguments. Like, it kind of okay. falls apart on itself because Sea of Thieves... You can start with the same ship as everyone else. It just depends on how many friends you have, or you can random up if you want. And then there's in-game VoIP. But it's it's a purely skill. Well, as skillful as you can be in that game. Okay, that's kind of nice. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I've had a lot of fun playing that, so I can still see myself maybe having a lot of fun in a Fallout version of that. Uh, it just depends on what they give you as you start, is the real question. If it's a spear and a loincloth, how do you feel about that? Pretty annoyed. But if it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you have some like leather armor, maybe a 10 mil and a shotgun. I'm like, okay, I'm much better with this. I now feel comfortable I can scavenge some part of the wasteland. Fair enough. Yeah. I think that sounds fair. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it's not out yet. It's Bethesda. I'll take some time. Oh. So um, speaking of taking some time. Wait, we already used that segue. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I was on vacation, which uh, which was explained last week because Jordan was the special guest. Well, I don't think we explained it. Did we say you're on vacation during the show? Oh, 
thought you did. I don't, Maybe not. I don't remember. So for anybody who cares, I just went to a big rental house in Wyoming. Uh, so there's a place in Wyoming that basically all of my ancestors, like my great-great-grandparents, lived back in the pioneer days. Mm-hmm. And so my parents are way big into family history and studying that kind of stuff. So we went there partly to just do fun things and partly to be like, come check out this graveyard where there's a million people with your name in it, which was kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, but bottom line, we crammed like 30 people into this house. In fairness, it had seven bedrooms, so it wasn't insane. That's still a minimum four people per room. Correct. And people are sleeping on couches in the <laughs> living rooms. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. probably sleep in the kitchen to get away from people at that point. Yeah. I don't know where you'd sleep in the kitchen. It's pretty uncomfortable looking, but the, sure. The floor. <laughs> you take a couple of blankets? Perfect. Gross. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so my uh, my mom, there's a, there was a little, I don't want to call it a lake, but it was kind of too big for a pond out behind this house. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of gross water. It wasn't huge and it wasn't really tiny either. But basically my mom found this. If you watched the gauntlet last week or whenever, You've already seen this, but it's a giant unicorn, well, Pegasus with a horn inflatable. Holy crap. That's huge. I know. Isn't it awesome? It's $300. Yep. So we all pitched in like 10 bucks. Did you seriously get this? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. You I have pictures. Send me pictures. Yeah. It took, Um, we had one of those or a couple of those automatic like battery powered pumps right air pumps and it took us an hour to inflate the whole thing it's chambered right Mm -hmm. because if this was one giant anyway one hole would wreck you but there's a lot of different chambers involved Uh uh-huh i feel like this thing's big enough it could take up the entire 0.7 percent that of like surface area that is water of wyoming (laughs) (laughs) there's not a lot wyoming is a giant square nothingness Mm -hmm. with nothing in it very true so anyway, bottom line, uh, the kids loved that very, very much. Uh, the rental property also came with these little kayaks, like ones that kids could go in, just plastic ones and a bunch of paddles and stuff. So they were tooling around on the water and it wasn't so deep. We were afraid for them. And plus there were life jackets anyway. Okay. So it was a good, good time. Weather was perfect. Only rained a little bit during the time that we were there. And it was good to see some family. Some family came down from Oregon that we don't see a whole lot. And it was relaxing is what it was. It was a good time. That's what I like from vacations. My sister loves vacations where every minute is planned out with some kind of an activity. Of course. Right? And those drive me nuts. When I'm on vacation, I just want to like hang out and do nothing. It's great. Mm, that, that is what I do for my vacations as well. Do nothing. Do nothing. I actually have a vacation coming up next week. <laughs> Are you going to do nothing? Exactly. I'm going to do nothing and play WoW. Excellent. <laughs> so... <laughs> Little, I don't know, it's not a great story, but basically uh, when we first blew it up, the kids wanted to be it more than anything else, right? right? So we got it out in the water and the kids were like, we want to go out, we want to go out. And the adults were like, we're tired from blowing this thing up. <laughs> and it's almost dinner time, so we don't want to go out. And so the kids, we want to go out. So 10-year-old wanted to go out and then a couple other younger kids. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, they can handle it. Like they, I'll give them some paddles. They can do this thing. So... <laughs> I just kind of set him adrift and there was um, something of a prevailing wind at that time of the day Uh on that day. And they just absolutely gradually kind of sailed across to the other side (laughs) of the little lake and they could not get back. They were so stuck. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, so I have to rescue him because I'm the one who approved the little excursion that they took. Right. Right. Because some of the other adults were like, are you sure? Like, maybe we should send an adult with him. And I was like, nah, they'll be fine. That was, that was my fault. <laughs> so I went out there on one of the little kayaks and like hooked a rope to it and paddled it back. And it was hard. It's big. Did you hook the uh, rope to its horn? I did not. No. There's a little toe clippy thing on the back. Oh, so the people, people who make this have thought this through. They know it's going to fly away and you need to tow it. Correct. Yes, yes. Anyway, so I did, and it was difficult, and it was um a lot of arm strength that I had to use. It wasn't great. Good thing you go to the gym. Good thing. So I saved him, but it was embarrassing. <laughs> I would have said that. You guys got yourself into that mess. Hold your ass back. <laughs> no dinner if you don't get back. Yeah, yes, yeah, six-year-olds. Make it happen. 
I mean, the sides of this thing are huge. They couldn't even reach over the side. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was vacation. It was fine. Nobody got hurt. No one died. Nothing crazy interesting happened. It was just relaxing. I liked it. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Very, very lovely. Mm-hmm. So speaking of going out into sparsely populated areas and doing stuff, I've been watching Castle Rock. <laughs> okay. <And the> segways <laughs> are on point today. No, they are <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I actually watched Ragnarok last night. So good. <sighs> so good. I watched it the other night. So, yes. So stupid rewatchable. Everything Korg says is funny. I forgot some of his lines. <laughs> like what? Um, I forgot the, the revolution has begun line, <laughs> which isn't really all that funny if you say it, but his delivery is just incredible. Yes. Korg, man. Korg. So good. Korg. I'd forgot about the part two where the Hulk flies at the giant raging fire monster that's 4,000 times bigger than he is and starts punching it in the head. <laughs> and then Thor says, no, for once in your life, don't smash. And then Hulk says, but big monster. <laughs> I think Hulk could take him. Well, Hulk's unkillable, so I don't think he could die, but I don't think Hulk could beat Giant Raging Fire Monster, whose name I forget. Did you say the Hulk's unkillable? Yeah. He's not unkillable. You can kill the Hulk. He gets his energy from the existence of the universe. Until <sighs> the heat death of the universe, he can't die. No, that's not That's not true. It is true. No. Wikipedia says so. <laughs> oh, Wikipedia says so. Okay. Yeah. Then I believe it. <laughs> okay, good. No. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> no. Wait, hey, <laughs> you can't take it back. I can't. You said you believe it. I was being sarcastic. Oh, sarcasm. So hard to understand over the internet. <laughs> no, okay. Until they provide a primary source that happens in the movie universe, I'm not buying it. Oh, it has to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, because that's what mm. we're dealing with. Otherwise, if we were just claiming every random thing out of the comic books, I would just say, well, Deadpool killed the Hulk. Oh, right. Because that <laughs> happened. Yeah. That's not canon, though. Deadpool going through every comic universe and murdering everybody is not canon in any in any anything. That, no, if you if you're gonna count comics as canon, I can count any comic as canon. Lame. Which is why we're talking about the movies, which don't count the comics. And the Hulk can Lame. very much be killed in the movie. Based on what? Who says he can be killed? Fenrir bit him, and he bleeds. Uh huh. He can be killed if he bleeds. He got bit by a giant, crazy wolf monster. Uh huh. And walked it off and had no ill effects afterwards. He had plenty of ill effects. He can't turn back into the Hulk. We don't know that's because Fenrir bit him. It might be because he's scared of dying now that he knows he can. Maybe. But until it says so in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Until it happens. That's a good point. Right. Okay, look. All I'm saying is I found this link. The cosmically powerful entity known as the Beyonder once analyzed the Hulk's physiology and claimed the Hulk's potential strength had no finite element at all cannot run out of strength okay that's it well read that back to me again the cosmically powerful entity blah 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 claimed the hulk's potential strength had no finite element inside of it okay he cannot run keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger forever yeah but that doesn't mean you're immortal that's not the same thing it doesn't mean you're immortal or invulnerable it just means you're getting stronger he might be able to bench press two cars instead of one but that doesn't mean he can't be shot, if you get what I'm saying. Obviously, the Hulk can bench press a thousand cards. Well, unless strength also deals with... Constitution. Like vulnerability. Constitution, yeah. Ability to take a hit, right? I mean, I assume it plays a portion of that, but it, I don't think it means the entire thing. His durability, regeneration, and endurance also increase in proportion to his temper. He has withstood the equivalent of solar temperatures, nuclear explosions, and planet-shattering impacts. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he is not hard to kill. But you're just saying he can be killed. Yeah. All right. Until proven otherwise Maybe. in the particular universe that you wish to discuss, it has to stand to reason that he can be killed. All right. Let me just say, if Hulk dies in the MCU, I will be shocked. I mean, he could have gotten dusted. I'm surprised he didn't. Dusting isn't dead. We've talked about this. <laughs> Nobody who got dusted is dead. No, they, <laughs> they, they are currently <laughs> dead. They will come back. No, it doesn't count then. They're they're displaced. (laughs) No, they're dead. They are currently deceased. They were cremated. They were cremated. Nope, no. It's like in Final Fantasy. If somebody in your party dies, but you can phoenix down them and bring them back, they're not dead. Dead is dead. What? (laughs) Dead is dead. 
Yes, dead is dead, but you can bring them back. Nope. If you can bring them back, they're not dead. It's not doesn't count as dead. Oh my god. What constitutes bringing them back? Because we can kill people and then stick electrodes in their brains and make their bodies move. Does that count as bringing them back? No, they weren't dead. If they can be brought back, they're not dead. But does that con- what constitutes as brought back? Brought back to the state they were in previously. Okay, so if the character dies and you phoenix down them, but they don't have all the experience, does that still count? Because they're not in the same previous state. XP is not part of who you are. It's your experiences. Yes, it is. Okay, how about this? Uh, who's the guy? Beric Dondarrion. Who? In, in uh, Game of Thrones. Beric. Beric. Eyepatch guy. Okay, yeah. So, bottom line, he's been killed and rezzed by Thoros of Mir a bunch of times. But yeah. he says, every time I come back, a part of me is missing. His experiences like he... are missing. No, he loses memories and like abilities and stuff. And part just like a sense of who he is just slowly is getting whittled away with each res. Sounds like his experiences. Yeah. Kind of. Experiences is not experience. It's not XP. That's what XP represents in game. It's the player's experience and their progression as to being a stronger character. That's literally Mm. what it is. Mm. Right. All right. right. But here's the thing. Would you still call him having never not died? No, because he's different when he comes back. Significantly, like, noticeably, he is a different person when he comes back. Okay, so if the people in Avengers, when they come back, they, like, have PTSD from being cremated, and you're not going to count that as being different? No, I'm not talking about PTSD. I'm not talking about, oh, they have nightmares when they come back, or loud noises startle them. I'm talking about Beric Dondarrion literally forgets part of his own life, forgets about his wife and his daughter. After some of these resurrections, if they forget huge parts of their own life and don't recognize people that they love, then okay, I'm on board. But just run-of-the-mill PTSD, no. I'm using PTSD as a stand-in for serious mental issues, and you wouldn't count that? Depends on what they are. Okay. But okay. no, what's going to happen is they're going to be brought back. Are they going to be and fine? Be the same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So they're not dead. It's always better in the in my head. But I also rewatched <laughs> The Avengers a couple days ago. Right. And, so good. And I'm still convinced Loki is dead. What the? Based on Avengers? Avengers 1? Wait, wait, wait. You rewatched Infinity War or the first Avengers? Uh, <laughs> Infinity War. Oh, that makes more sense. All right. <laughs> what new evidence do you have, Wade? Okay. As I've already conclusively proven, when anything touches... <laughs> 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 Sorry, go ahead. okay so in our previous discussions on this you have Mm. stated that loki could use the tesseract to leave the ship right um that sounds like something i'd say sure (laughs) okay i should remember your argument and mine great we got so deep into that rabbit hole though it's true like the core of my argument is just that he's the god of trickeration he's faked his death several times and it just makes no sense for him to die here that's all. It's thematically inconsistent. No, I don't think it is thematically inconsistent. Okay. Great. <laughs> don't shut me down like that. I'm not. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> no, you mm-hmm. didn't. <laughs> it's the best I'm going to get. I'll think about it some more. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How the... It's like, how did we get there? I was trying to talk about Castle Rock. How did we end up... I don't know. I mentioned I watched Ragnarok for some reason. Such a great movie. So this other thing I remember. Uh... Anyway, real quick, I've been watching Castle Rock on Hulu. It's a Hulu original. I don't know if it's available outside of the U.S. because who knows about these things. Okay. Bottom line, it is a regular old TV show. Episodes are released on a week-by-week basis, and they're hour-long. And it is a TV show set in the present in a city in Maine, and it's based upon the works of Stephen King. So it doesn't mean this is a um, TV adaptation of it or Carrie or anything like that. It doesn't take any of his specific works and turn it into a TV show. It's just kind of a thematically appropriate story that Stephen King would tell. Uh huh. He is listed as an executive producer. Sorry. He is, but I don't know if he's writing for it. Maybe. Probably mm. not. It's yeah. very confusing. J.J. Nice. Abrams is involved. Because he's involved in everything that I like recently, magically. I don't know that he's involved in these, but then he's just there. A lot of mystery. So much mystery. Mm -hmm. And we'll see if they ever manage to pay it off. But it's very good. 
I really look forward to the episodes every week. So if there's something you're interested in watching that's a you know, it's kind of a psychological horror story kind of a thing, a lot of suspense, then I would recommend checking it out. Hmm. Okay. There you go. Castle Rock. Castle Rock. Ooh, what have Hoorah. I been watching? What have I been watching? I don't know. Um, okay, I need to change My Hero Academia? <laughs> yes, I've been rewatching seasons one and two. I binge-watched all of season one yesterday. So good. So good. Uh, so good. Yeah. I still have issues with uh, Bakugo. He only has like what? one redeeming scene in the entire first season. <laughs> no, he's a, he's a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I, no one's arguing that. <laughs> okay, I've been watching uh, an anime called Without God, uh, Sunday Without God. Sunday Without God. Is it a Sunday Without God or no. Sunday Without God? Sunday Without God. And so basically the premise is on the seventh day, God like rested after making the world. And then he yeah. basically said something to literally everyone on the planet. Apparently he made an announcement somehow and said something along the lines of the other side is almost complete or something. Uh, so I'm leaving you. You're on your own. Cool. Uh, the idea is he then kind of starts just granting people's wishes. And okay. apparently humanity's collective wish was to become zombies. What? Zombies? Why? Okay. okay. It's a little more complicated than that. Fine. They still live relatively normal lives, except when they die, they just, you know, come back a little bit later, all still fine and, like, cognitive, but they then slowly start to break down and turn into kind of rage monsters, is how they're told. That's real bad. Okay. And so to solve this problem, he also sent... <laughs> apparently this problem was unforeseen and an omnipotent being... Never mind. <laughs> Gravekeepers, Grave I'm reading. Yes, gravekeepers. People with the ability to bury these zombies zombie people and that'll kill them like they'll be at rest put them to rest okay and so the first three episodes i would describe as two adult men traumatize a 12 year old girl Hmm. sounds about right yeah okay. the 12 year old girl uh her mother dies when she's seven and she is apparently the daughter of uh the, the woman was a gravekeeper and so she now has to bury the gravekeeper because it's mm. in her blood Although it's not explained at this point that gravekeepers having kids is not a thing. In fact, no one on the planet can have kids anymore. But no one in the world apparently looks twice at a 12-year-old when nobody's been able to have kids for 15 years. Observing skills are not their strength. So the first guy comes along, uh, Hampney Hambart, I think is what they call his name, mm -hmm. uh, finds out that this little girl's a tw supposedly the gravekeeper for this town. A little confused by that, but he just murdered the entire town. So everyone she knows and loves is now dead. Turns out they were a village of the dead hiding from gravekeepers. <sighs> Pretending, wait, aren't they like rage monsters? No, no, no. They, they, they slowly break down over time. Oh, all right. And their body just doesn't heal. Yeah, so the gravekeepers don't wait until they start turning into rage monsters. They just off them immediately. Yeah, no, they will be aggressively like, we're going to put you down whether you like it or not kind of thing. All right. And so this man... Kills everyone in her town, gets her to bury everyone she's ever known, doesn't believe she's a real gravekeeper, introduces her to a real gravekeeper, tells them that they have no emotions, where someone who he claims to be his friend, so Hampney's uh, best friend turns up, shoots him through the chest to rescue Ooh. her, because he was about to kill her, because he, as a 12-year-old, doesn't have the strength to survive in this world. So he Correct. rescues her, and then four seconds later, uses her as a human bargaining chip and threatens to shoot her. <laughs> Yay, anti-hero. Hampney is able to work out that this other man really just kind of wants to die because Hampney killed his wife, who was a uh, undead. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, apparently, if you shoot them in the brain, like, the brain still controls their body, so they just kind of stop moving like regular corpses. Makes sense. Classic zombie stuff. Yeah, so Hampney's like, oh, okay, I'll give you what you want. At sunrise, I'll meet you in town square... And we'll have a duel, and I will kill you. Turns out Hampney's immortal because that's what God gave him. He's like, oh, you wish that the days of your high school life last a bit longer? Okay, you're immortal. <laughs> this is like a mean genie. What's that thing? There's that trope, the like sneaky genie or something, where they f fulfill your wishes, but not the ways you want them to. Uh, like the monkey's paw, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, monkey's paw, that's the one. Uh, okay, so Hanfney then blows this off and just starts leaving. The 12-year-old girl decides to follow him. Because what else is she going to do? She's 12. I know, but he was going to kill her a moment ago. I know, but this happens a lot. Sure. They then get to a bridge where he kicks her off the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, like she's like looking over one side, and he's just like, "Oh crap, something's coming!" Kick. <laughs> oh, so it wasn't like a "We are Sparta" kick. No, no, it was like oh. "I need to protect you" kind of kick. Still, got it. Kicked her off a bridge, where she's nice. then rescued by you guessed it, the other guy. <laughs> they then meet up with the uh, other gravekeeper that he she got introduced to, like the purple one. Mm-hmm. And then they vow to go and rescue Hampney, who is being kidnapped and tortured by a group of undead who wanted to be like him because he's immortal, so they killed themselves to become immortal. Oops. That didn't work. That definitely did not work. So he's, you know, chained up, and they kind of bash it, like bash in the door and kill all the undead guys. And then it's kind of revealed that Hampney is her father. Oh boy. What a twist. What a twist. Except... <laughs> She thought he was his father when they first met because her mother told him that her father's name was Hampney Hambart. So she's been under that impression the whole time. Sort of. Because she's like four seconds into meeting this guy. You're my dad. My mom said that was my dad's name. You're definitely my dad. And apparently she is a spitting image of her mother, but Hampney doesn't recognize. Because he's a raging idiot. Exactly. And then it turns out his new wish is to die alongside friends and family and loved ones. Now he's Mm -hmm. dying, realizes that this is actually his daughter. The other gravekeeper apparently seems to know him pretty well. And the other guy's his best friend. And he dies legit. (laughs) Well, all right. Hey, you got a dad, but he tried to kill you. His best friend then saves you, but he tried to kill you. And then you went back with your dad and he kicked you off a bridge. And then he died for reals. That is one heck of a 24-hour period, or whatever it was. It was like a day and a half. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that's a roller coaster. That's the first three episodes. <laughs> Where does it go from there? I have ten more. <laughs> yes. That's always good. When a show starts with a bang, and then you're like, ooh, I have more of this. <sighs> I like it. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. I'll put it on my list of million things I need to watch. Sure. Sure. Why not? All right. Well, I think that's it. We are over time. It's going to be work for you to edit this down anyway. Yep. But uh, it's going to be it. Let me do the overly long outro. That weight always trims down. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spending an hour with us of your week. And thank you for uh, also supporting the podcast if you feel so inclined. There is a link to the Patreon in the show notes. Also, feel free to look at the merch. And until next time, as always, thank you for being here and listening. And you take care of yourself.